like to talk this evening about two of the sons of Jacob, or sons of Israel, as the Lord changed his name from Jacob to Israel. And uh, it's recorded in the book of Genesis, chapter 49. But there was something that they did that was wrong. And it's recorded in the scripture that it's wrong. But it's not easily understood what they did that was wrong. By God's grace, he uh, reveals this to us, and we can see what they did that, that was wrong. Uh, so Genesis chapter 49 and uh, beginning in verse 5, Simeon and Levi are brethren. Instruments of cruelty are in their habitations. O my soul, come not thou unto their secret, unto their assembly. Mine honor, be not thou united. For in their anger they slew a man, and in their self-will they hamstrung an oxen. Cursed be their anger, for it was fierce, and their wrath, for it was cruel. I will divide them in Jacob and scatter them in Israel. So their actions are more than just history. When we read the Old Testament, it's certainly it is history. Well, even the New Testament, we have it, most of it is history, although some of it is prophecy for the future. But this is more than just history because there's an admonition here. Don't assembly. Don't be with these type people that have done these things. But uh, so it's important for us to know what they did. So we wouldn't do that. That's the teaching. That's the instructions. So there's an error here of some kind. Now, your Bible may have read a little differently. Mine some in verse 6, in their self-will they hamstrung oxen. Your Bible may, have, may say, in their self-will they digged down a wall. And when I first saw that, I thought, I mean, that's not even close doesn't, on the surface. It doesn't appear even close. So what did they do? They're, Terry, it was clearly wrong what they did. Did they dig down a wall? Or did they hamstring an axe? And we need to know what they did so we wouldn't be guilty of either one of them. So we need to look at that, uh, first of all. Schofield is the one that changed it from dig down a wall to hamstring oxen. So we want to look at, okay, which one, which one, which one should it be? Which one did they do? Because we don't want to be guilty of the same thing. It's very interesting when you look up some of these words in the Hebrew or the Greek, whichever it is, but here in this case in the Hebrew. So dig down a wall. And when I see something like this, it always gets my attention. The word digged is used 47 times in the, own, in the Old Testament, and it comes from seven different Hebrew words, but only one time from this word. So this word digged comes from a Hebrew word that's different from every other Hebrew place that they've translated digged in the Bible. That always gets my attention when I see that. And uh, the word down is used about 1,200 times in the Old Testament, only one time from this particular Hebrew word. And the word wall is used 
about 250 times in the Old Testament. But only one time from this particular Hebrew word that was translated here as wall. So dig down a wall. There's something unique about this. Definitely something unique, set apart. These, these Hebrew words are different from all the other Hebrew words that's translated in this manner. So, the word digged, if we look at the uh, Hebrew, it's pronounced something like okar, and it means to pluck up or exterminate, specifically by hamstringing. So, digged. I mean, we could think of digging, that's what we think of when I hear the word digged, but it means to pluck up or exterminate, specifically by hamstring. I don't know why you would take that word, alkar, and translate it into digged, because the definition is to pluck up or exterminate, specifically by hamstringing. And, and, you, and we can look at these words, we can look at the definitions, and we still may question it, but when we go to the Scriptures to find out what they actually did, I think the answer will be clear as to why Schofield, well, I'm not sure why he translated this way, but the Scriptures will bear out that is the best translation of it. And then wall. Many places, wall, is used, it, talk about a walled city, uh, it's a protection, God's got a heads and a wall around them. Many places it's used that way, not here. Again, this is unique. And wall means, and again, why? King James people translated it uh, wall, I don't know. But the Hebrew word that they translated for wall means a bullock, an ox, a cow, a traveler, a harlot, or a merchant. So, not sure why King James people translated it wall, but that word, the Hebrew, and I didn't, I didn't actually write that word down, but that's what it means. It can mean, it can mean a bullock, an ox, a cow. It can mean a traveler, uh, a harlot, or a merchant. So, it can mean several things. So, these two Israelites, two children of Jacob, they hamstrung something. That's what we need to try to see where they did that. Uh, and, and let's read our text again. Uh, Genesis 49 and, and verse 5. Simeon and Levi are brethren. Because you know the children of Israel, there were different mothers uh, on, on several of them. But Simeon and Levi are brethren, full brethren, not half. Instruments of cruelty are in their habitation. So what, what was it that they did? And, and their instructions are for us not to do it and don't assemble with that. O my soul, come not thou into their secret, into their assembly. Mine honor, be not thou united 
So if we whatever this is, if we recognize it today, and don't you believe if it was present back in the Old Testament, it's present today? So when we recognize it today, don't assemble with that. Don't be joined with that, whatever it is. Uh, it says, uh, be not united, for in their anger they slew a man. And in their self-will they hamstrung oxen. And I'm going to go with that hamstrung oxen rather than dig down a wall. And we will see why uh, a little later. But where do we find this account? As we search, search the scriptures. And I remember when I first studied this, look up the word hamstring. And, and, and you don't see where they did this. At least... On the surface, you don't see where they did this. So, um, let's go to Genesis chapter 3. Uh, Genesis chapter 3. And men, again, Simeon and Levi were full brothers. And uh, many times in the scriptures, you don't see the, uh, the women in the genealogy. But this tells us that they did have uh, at least a full sister. Uh, Genesis, uh, let's see. Where did I say? Uh, Genesis 34 and 1. Is that what? That's probably not what I said, was it? Genesis 34 and 1. I don't know what I said. That wasn't where I ended up anyway. So Genesis 34 and 1. And Diana, the daughter of Leah, whom she bore unto Jacob, went out to see the daughters of the land. So here's Diana, uh, uh, daughter of Leah. And of course, Jacob uh, was uh, the father. And uh, so she's going to take a little trip or whatever to see the daughters of the land. Uh, and again, Simeon and Levi were full brothers to Diana. And, and that, that means something as we go on in the study. Verse 2. And when Shechem, the son of Hamor, the Hivite, of course you remember they were not to have anything to do with the Hivites. But and when Shechem, the son of Hamor, the Hivite, prince of the country, saw her, he took her and lay with her and defiled her. And his soul clung unto Diana, the daughter of Jacob, and he loved the damsel and spoke kindly unto the damsel. And Shechem spoke unto his father, Hamor, Get me this damsel for my wife. And Jacob heard that he had defiled Diana, uh, uh, his daughter. Now his sons were with the cattle in the field, and Jacob held his peace until they were come. And Hamar, the father of Shechem, went out to Jacob to speak with him. And the sons of Jacob came out of the field when they heard it, and the men were grieved, and they were very angry, because he had wrought folly in Israel in lying with Jacob's daughter, which thing ought not to be done. Again, they were not to have anything to do with those other nations. And Hamar spoke with them saying, The soul of my son Shechem longeth for your daughter. I pray you give her to him as his wife, and make ye marriages with us, 
and give your daughters unto us, and take your daughters and, and take our daughters unto you. And ye shall dwell with us, and the land shall be before you. Dwell and trade therein, and get you possessions in it. Get you possessions in it. It was their land to begin, <laughs> begin with. The Lord had given to them. This is the promised land. Verse 11, And Shechem said unto her, uh, to her father uh, and to her brethren, Let me find grace in your eyes, and what you shall say unto me, I will give. Ask me ever so much dowry and gift, and I will give according as ye shall say unto me, but give me the damsel as my wife. And the sons of Jacob answered Shechem, and Hamar, his father, deceitfully, didn't tell the truth. Answered deceitfully. And said, because he had defiled Deanna, their sister. Again, so this was Simeon and Levi. That was, the sister, that was their sister. And they said to them, we cannot do this thing to give our sister to one that is uncircumcised. For that were a reproach unto us. But in this will we consent unto you. Again, here's deceit. But in this will we consent unto you. If ye will be as we be, that every male of you be circumcised, then will we give our daughters unto you, and we will take your daughters unto us, and we will dwell with you, and we will become one people. But if ye will not hearken to us to be circumcised, then will we take your daughter, or then we will take our daughter, and we will be gone. And their words pleased Hamar and Shechem, Hamar's son. And the young uh, man deferred not to do the thing, because he had delight in Jacob's daughter, and he was more honorable than all the house of his father. And Hamar and Shechem, his son, came to the gate of their city, and spoke with the men uh, of their city, saying, and we'll pause there for a minute. So, so the sons of Jacob, Simon and Levi, says, they answered deceitfully. He said, okay, if you'll do this, then you can have our daughter, and we'll be as one, so forth and so on. But that, that was deceitfully. And, of course, uh, uh, Shechem and Hamar, they was willing to do this. And let's go ahead and read on. 21. Uh, These men are peaceful with us. Therefore, let them dwell in the land and trade therein. For the land, behold, it is large enough for them. Let us take their daughters to us for wives and let us give them for our daughters. Only herein... Will the men consent unto us for to dwell with us to be one people if every male among us be circumcised as they are circumcised? So uh, Shechem and Hamar telling their people, said, okay, uh, we can do this. We can all be one. We can have this land and everything. But the only way, they said we have to be circumcised. 23, shall not their cattle be and their substance and every beast of theirs be ours? Only let us consent unto them, and they will dwell with us. And to Hamar and to Shechem his son hearkened uh, all that went out of the gate of this city, and every male was circumcised, 
all that went out of the gate of the city. And it came to pass on the third day when they were sore that two of the sons of Jacob, Simeon and Levi, Diana's brethren, took each man his sword and came upon the city boldly and slew all the males. And they slew Hamar and Shechem, his son, with the edge of the sword, and took Diana out of Shechem's house and went out. So when you read this, don't you find yourself rooting for uh, uh, Simeon and Levi for uh, doing this because they defiled their sister and everything? And they thought, well, they got what they deserved and everything. Don't you feel yourself rooting for them? Yet somewhere... Simeon and Levi did that which was well, deceitful, that which was not, uh, it, we'll read later that it troubled uh, Jacob, their dad. But this, you see, because you see other places where they you know, killed nation, and, and of course Saul, his first order was kill every man, woman, child, uh, and, uh, uh, and suckling. But here they did this, and again you think, yay, yay for them. 27, the sons of Jacob came upon the slain and spoiled the city because they had defiled their sister. They took their sheep and their oxen and their asses and that which was in the city and that which was in the field. All their wealth and all their little ones and their wives took their captivity and spoiled even all that was in the house. And Jacob said to Simeon, so this is Jacob, or Israel, said to Simeon and Levi, that's these two sons, Diana's brethren. He said unto them, Ye have troubled me to make me idiots or, or stinking among the inhabitants of the land, among the Canaanites and the Perizzites, and I be few in number. They shall gather themselves against me and slay me, and I shall be destroyed. I and my house. And they said, Should he deal with our sister as with an harlot? So where where was their error? Again, it kind of appears like this would be an honorable thing that they did. Should they defile our sister and treat her as a harlot? But said it troubled him. In other words, this is wrong. Well, let me tell you what was wrong, first of all. First thing. You didn't see them. Of course, it sounds like just the two brethren. It could have been their families behind them, too. But anyway, these are the ones, the leaders of, theirs, uh, of their families, anyway. They went and slew all these people, uh, uh, the Hittites there, as far as uh, uh, Shechem, and, uh, and Hamar. So they went and they killed them and slayed all of them. And you see that. But what don't you see? You didn't see them go before the Lord and say, Lord, we got this great enemy before us. And we're just two men or maybe two families. And we're going to go, we're going to, to uh, do what's right because what they've done to Diana, Lord, be with us. Lord, deliver this enemy into our hand. You don't see that. And, and there is where the error actually is. And it says they answered deceitfully. 
We read that. So, I'm going to go back to our lesson again, chapter 49. And I'm going to read that again. 49, verse 5. So, we read the event. So, hidden in there is this error. Genesis 49, 5. Simeon and Levi are brethren. Instruments are cruelty or in their habitation. O my soul, come, come not thou into their secret, into their assembly. Mine honor, be not thou united, for in their anger they slew a man, and in their self-will they hamstrung an oxen. Cursed be their anger, for it was fierce, and all their wrath, for it was cruel. I will divide them in Jacob and scatter them in Israel. Now, there's some more. That'd be a good Wednesday night Bible study, that part. I didn't get that far. But, so, where was their error? We read back there, but where was the error? It seems like they'd done a noble thing. But again, I, I have mentioned what the error was. They didn't seek the Lord for instructions. They was going another way. So, now, where did they hamstring an ox? Or dig down a wall if you want to use that. I'm going to stick with hamstring an ox. Where, where did they do this? Because this, this was the error. Where did they hamstring an ox? We read it. Where did they do it? If uh, the hamstring, uh, that's on the kind of the back of our thigh and everything. You can feel it as it, the two leaders on the side that goes down the knee and everything. When an animal... That knee, the, the, the four-legged animals, that knee kind of works in reverse on the back legs. And, and Bill, you dress deer and things like that. You cut, usually cut that off right at the knee. And then that, and right, that big uh, tendon that connects that muscle up to there, and usually that's where you stick the shackle through that hole there, that's the hamstring. And it's kind of the back of our thighs, but, but anyway... So a, a moose, how could a wolf take down a moose? Now, I understand a lion could jump up on the back and everything like that, like that. a lion or cougar could jump up on the back. But how could a wolf take down a moose? Well, they hamstring it. They'll go and they'll nip right, right above that knee where that tendon hooks to the uh, muscle, to the bone, and all they have to do is gnaw through that, and the animal's hamstrung. It can't... It can't run, it can't, it can't function right. So it's weakened. So the word hamstrung really means it's a term for to cripple. Seems like I remember in Moby Dick, they talk about they hamstrung the whale. Now the whale doesn't have those uh, tendons like we do and everything, but I suppose what they did, it crippled it. And then they could kill it. So... Were Simeon and Levi guilty of this? Our lesson says they hamstrung an oxen. And again, I'm not going to go with they dig down a wall if you want to, but, but uh, you'll not find that. But we can find where they hamstrung an oxen. So by deceit, they had the enemy circumcised. The third day, whenever they sore, they slew all the males. They hamstrung them. They crippled them. 
So that's where they hamstrung an oxen. Now, they didn't trust in the Lord to deliver the enemy. They didn't go say, uh, there's just the two of us or just our two families. We're going to get all these people and everything. Lord, uh, deliver them into our hand because of what they've done to our sister. You don't see that at all. They're using their means. Well, in order for us to defeat them, we're going to have to hamstring them. Not looking or trusting in the Lord. They trusted in themselves. And to help themselves, they hamstrung the enemy. Uh, they trusted in their flesh and not in the Lord. Let me go to Jeremiah here real quickly. You, I'm just going to read one verse here. Jeremiah uh, 17 and... Uh, some of you here know this is a scripture that Brother Don uh, loved. We won't read all of it, but a portion of it. Jeremiah 17 and 5. Thus saith the Lord, Cursed be the man that trusteth in man, and maketh flesh his arm, whose heart departed from the Lord. And I'm not going to read the rest of it, although it's, it is uh, uh, very good to read. But said, Cursed is the man who trusts in man and maketh flesh his arm, whose heart departed from the Lord. Isn't that exactly what Simeon and Levi did? They weren't trusting in the Lord, trusting in man. Now, for us to do this, we've got to have a plan. The plan wasn't go to the Lord and ask the Lord to do it for them. The plan was, we'll cripple them. We'll hamstring them. So their heart departed from the Lord, not looking to the Lord. Uh, let's go to Second Chronicles a minute. Uh, what, and what we, I, I want to read a few scriptures. Those that don't walk this way, those that do trust the Lord. Uh, let's go to Second Chronicles chapter 14. So we see what they did or what they did, but also what they didn't do. Uh, and what I say, Chronicles, Second <clears throat> Chronicles 14. So we'll see something entirely different here. And this is Asa. Second Chronicles 14. And uh, let's look at six. And he builded fortified cities in Judah, for the land had rest. And he had no war in those years, because the Lord had given him rest. So the enemies weren't attacking them. They could build this fortified city and everything. Therefore he said unto Judah, Let us build these cities and make about them walls and towers and gates and bars while the land is yet before us. Because we have sought the Lord our God, we have sought him, and he hath given us rest on every side, so they built and prospered. And Asa had an army of men who bore bucklers and spears out of uh, Judah, uh, 300,000. And out of Benjamin, he, uh, who bore shields uh, and drew bows, 
two hundred and fourscore thousand. All these were mighty men of valor. So Asa had over over a, a half million uh, men, uh, warriors, so to speak. Now verse 9. And there came out against them Zerah the Ethiopian with a host of a million. Now that million, uh, it can be a thousand, thousand. We're not exactly sure. Uh, and maybe it's a without number. But anyway, it's a very large army. We can use the word million if you want or a thousand, thousand. But the Ethiopian with a host of a million and 300 chariots. And he came into uh, Marisha. So Asa now has got, he's outnumbered. He sees this enemy coming. Does he think of a plan? How am I going to hamstring this enemy? Or what does Asa do? Verse 10. Then Asa went out against him, and they set the battle in array in the valley of Zephyrath and Marisha. And Asa cried unto the Lord his God. Simeon and Levi didn't do this. And Asa cried to the Lord his God and said, Lord, it is nothing with thee to help, whether with many or with them who have no power. Help us, O Lord our God, for we rest on thee. And in thy name we go against this multitude, O Lord. Thou art our God. Let not man prevail against us. So the Lord smoked the Ethiopians before Asa and before Judah, and the Ethiopians fled. So do you see the difference? We're not told, don't go and assemble with the Asa. Well, we're not instructed to keep separate from them. Now, we are Lemony and Siva, uh, 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 Simeon and, and Levi. How did that come out that way? We're told not to assemble and don't be with them. But here, we're not told out about Asa. In fact, this is something to follow. So they were outnumbered. They didn't try to think of a plan. Well, how are we going to hamstring it? How are we going to cripple them? So, so, we can, uh, so they, were, uh, they were not looking on the weak arm of the flesh. They were looking to the Lord. Simeon and Levi were not. And as we look at the religious world today, can't we see the same thing? As people look at their... And, and so here, if we're ta- I don't care if we're talking about deliverance uh, from our damning sin, deliverance from, deliverance from whatever, or the salvation of our soul. We're not to look to ourselves. We look to the Lord. But the religious world looks to their self. And they'll tell you what things you have to do. I was looking at a little track today that I picked up. And uh, my goodness, they really, they really had a plan of all the things that you had to do. And although they may, they may use the words, the Lord is the way, but then they forget about the Lord and give you all this big list of what you must do. The Lord's not the way after all in what they said. So, uh, David and Goliath. We won't go there. Was David, did he uh, uh, think of a, a plan to hamstring the giant? No, he went to the Lord in prayer. He said, the Lord delivered me from the pole of the bear and the lion. He also delivered me from this Philistine. 
Simon and Levi didn't mention the Lord delivering them from anything. They were looking to the, to the arm of the flesh. So they had to cripple the enemy or hamstring an oxen. And it's looked on as an evil thing. Jehoshaphat, we may have time to go there. Second Chronicles chapter uh, 20. And again, this is the opposite of what Levi and Simeon did. So Second Chronicles chapter 20 and verse 1. It came to pass after this also that the children of Moab and the children of Ammon and with some of the uh, Ammonites came against Jehoshaphat to battle. So we've got three nations here coming against Jehoshaphat. Then there came some who told Jehoshaphat, saying, There cometh a great multitude against thee from beyond the sea on the side of Syria. And behold, they're all in Hazazantamar, which is in Zedai. So here they come telling Jehoshaphat, you've got all this enemy coming against you. Did Jehoshaphat think, well, I better come up with a plan, I'll hamstring him somehow, that we'll be able to, because we're outnumbered, we have to do something. No, that's not what he did. That's what Simeon and Levi did. That's not what Jehoshaphat did. Let's, let's go down to verse 5. And Jehoshaphat stood in the congregation of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court and said, O Lord God of our fathers, art not thou God in heaven and rulest not thou over all the kingdoms of the nations? And in thine hand uh, is there not power and might so that none is able to withstand thee? Are not thou our God who didst drive out the inhabitants of this land before thy people, Israel, and gavest it to the seed of Abraham, thy friend, forever? So he wasn't trying to devise a plan. Debbie went to his father in prayer as we sang these songs tonight. Went to the father in prayer. Skip down to verse 12. O oh, our God, wilt thou judge them? And, and uh, Paul's again there. We didn't see Simeon and Levi. That's what they should have done. God, would not thou judge them that defiled Diana? Were not to mix with them? But they didn't. We'll, we'll devise a plan to where our flesh, where we can do it. I hope you can see the error in that. And we're not to assemble with that. Not to be joined with that. Not to take part in that. So verse 12, O our God, wilt thou not judge them? For we have no might against this great company that cometh against us. Neither know we what to do, but our eyes are upon thee. So different than Simeon and Levi. I hope as we look at our eternal salvation, our eyes are upon the Lord. Not, not on what we can do. And certainly don't tell other people it's according to what they do. Verse 15. And he said, Hearken, uh, hearken ye, all Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem, and thou king Jehoshaphat, thus saith the Lord unto you, Be not afraid nor dismayed by reason of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but God's. And certainly it is. It always is. Whatever battle it is for us, it's God's. 
certainly as we look primarily at the salvation of our souls, battle's not ours. There's people out there fighting and fighting and fighting, mostly hypocritical, I'll say. But anyway, he says the battle's not yours, it's God's. So no need to hamstring them for God to destroy them, is there? No need of that. Verse 17. You should not need to fight this battle. Set yourselves. Stand you still and see the salvation of the Lord with you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Fear not, nor be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord will be with you. So, so you're not going to fight. Now, they had armies and everything. They said the battle's the Lord. And whether they had an army or not, whether they outnumbered the other enemy, still the battle was of the Lord's. Uh, so, let's see, what do we leave? 17, verse 20. And they rose early in the morning and went out forth to the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went forth, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, so shall ye be established. Believe his prophets, so shall ye prosper. And when they had consulted with the people, he appointed singers unto the Lord, who should praise the beauty of holiness. And they went out before the army and to say, praise the Lord, for his mercy endureth forever. This was their song. Singing praises unto the Lord. And the enemies destroyed each other. This would be like, and I, I say this uh, before Jerry, you know, was a great football player and everything. And... Uh, so this would be like when Jerry was the highest state or, or wherever he was at. He played for many different teams, but when high state, very going out to battle uh, the Wolverines, <laughs> they sent out the band instead of the football players. That's what they did here. So uh, the enemies destroyed each other here uh, and with Jehoshaphat, but Jehoshaphat didn't try to come up with a plan how to hamstring it. How are we going to do this? Lord, it doesn't make any difference the size of their army or our army. They look to the Lord. Uh, we could think of judges with uh, uh, Gideon. And uh, the armies were gathered against Gideon. Gideon had an army of uh, 32,000, I believe. And... Uh, so Gideon went to the Lord. He, he didn't devise a plan to hamstring and how we're going to do this. He went to the Lord. And uh, the Lord said, well, I'm going to deliver this enemy into your hand, but you've got too many people now. If I deliver the enemy into your hand now, Israel will say, we did this. They'll vaunt themselves say, we did this. He said, so just... Just tell everybody that's uh, afraid and everything, just tell them to go home. 10,000 of them left. So they went, they was num- I was outnumbered to begin with. So they started out 32,000, now they're down to 22,000. And God told him, he said, you still got too many. Israel still say, boy, we was outnumbered, but we still did it. So the Lord 
had it in a way that we might understand, that Israel might understand, it was not of them. So he told them, go down here and, and watch how they drink. Those that lap a certain way. And, and uh, there were 300 that by these 300, I'll deliver Israel. And they didn't have to fight either, if you remember. So Gideon didn't try to come up with a plan how we're going to hamstring them so we can whip them. Went to the Lord. He knew the battles of the Lord. Completely different of Simeon and Levi. Uh, so what, is, what does all this mean to us? Well, as I mentioned, of course, for uh, our salvation, uh, it, the battle is the Lord. It's not of us uh, at all. Uh, for all things in our lives, it, it's of the Lord. But do we... In your teachings, in your witness, do we have to compromise? Or should we compromise? You might say, well, the way I've been witnessing doesn't seem to have much fruit coming from it. I understand we can look at the congregation. We're not, certainly we have a lot more room in the building. So should we do some hamstrings? Should we do some compromising to get more people in here? I was talking to one person one time, a long time ago, and we was talking about this. And uh, this person believed in teaching the law of Moses. And so we had a discussion, and I said, well, I said, you know, it's, we're not under the law of Moses, or at least we're not under the letter of the law. I said, he said, well, he said, never will forget this. He said, well, you teach them the law to get them into the church. So I guess we, we're going to scare them. Teaching the law of Moses to get him into the church. And I, a little bit smart alecky, said, and then we teach him the truth? We teach him a lie to get him in the church, and then we teach him the truth? And maybe I could have said it a little different way, and he said, well, you teach what you want to teach, and I'll teach what I want to teach. So do we have to come? And I, Betty, I'd love to have uh, the building full. I can remember, uh, and I know you and, and Debbie and Cindy uh, and, and Bill and Terry can remember out of Arabia and that building out there years ago when I was just a little tot. I can remember the building full, people standing up behind the seats against the wall back there. Terry, how, how I would love that. Bob Roberts and I talked about one time. He said, well, I don't want people just to have people. I said, no, I don't either. But do we compromise to get them in? Do we scare them to get them in? Hamstring them to get them in? No, I, I don't believe so. Uh, so we, we sing praises to his name. We tell his love for his sheep. And his sheep will hear, and they will follow. 
You say, well, don't seem to be as many. Well, it seems that way. But the time of the Lord's return, I think, is getting pretty near. Doesn't mean we're not to go doesn't mean we're not to witness and talk to individuals, I, but I believe this tells us that we don't hamstring, we don't teach them a lie, we don't scare them, and then tell them the truth later. So, uh, as we look at this, what does Simeon and Levi do? Two, well, two things. What they didn't do, they didn't go to the Lord. Didn't consult with the Lord. Didn't say, well, Lord, they're just... Uh, just the two of us here, or just our two families, and we've got all these people, it didn't go. They went and they devised a plan. They hamstrung oxen. They were depending on the energy of the flesh, and they forgot about the Lord. So we see this most of the religious world in this uh, way today as they look at the, their salvation. They'll talk about the Lord, talk about Jesus, but that's not what they trust in. They trust in what they do or, or do not do. May the Lord bless the speaking of his word. We're dismissed.